episode. And we have begun. And my dear. And so it begins. And and just like that. Just like And just like that. No. Oh no. Oh no. That should not be our topic. No, no sirree, Bob. I wonder, like... I wonder how Bob feels about having his name being used like that. Like, no sirree, Bob. I don't know. Or Does like Louise. How does Louise mm-hmm. feel about G's Louise, you know? Like, yeah. how does Jose feel about No Way Jose? Like, I, I have to wonder. Uh, <laughs> um... An inside joke in my family is how does John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt feel that he is always just being accosted as soon as he leaves his home? <laughs> there goes Whenever John he Jacob goes out, the people <laughs> always shout. There he goes. He just wants to go to the grocery uh-huh. store, you guys. Yeah. Leave the man alone. <laughs> it's one of the one of the O'Loughlin family favorites there. I love it. <laughs> uh how are you, Aaron? I am, I, I am. Yeah, I, you I am, therefore, I am. Therefore, yes, exactly. <laughs> How are you? Um, I am right there with you, sister. I, mm-hmm. <laughs> for listeners who don't know, I recently moved. Um, yeah. I'm now living in a different place than I was a week ago. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, there's a whole, like, it's, yeah, moving is moving. What can you do? And it already looks beautiful. It already looks like really nice. It's well, the picture I sent you looks nice. <laughs> There's still a lot more organizing and I unpacking. Mean, I mean, do. sure. But what's like one nice thing though is that I'm so right now I'm in the closet of a spare bedroom. <laughs> and I it's big enough that I fit like a little tiny table in here. With oh, my cool. with my my laptop and my microphone yeah. are on top of the little tiny table, and yeah. I have to call it a little tiny table every time. And sure, TM. <laughs> and I've like draped um, blankets uh-huh. around um, because, like, when I'm in here and the little tiny table is in here, <laughs> and uh-huh. the like back cushion thing that I have is in mm-hmm, here mm-hmm. the door won't close so oh sure sure yeah sure. i mean i'm sure i could get it to close if i finagled uh-huh. but i'm like you know what yeah. we'll leave the door open it'll be fine um, so you mentioned it was a spare room is it in fact spare um it is Narnia? spare um okay. indeed mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. i look sure. behind this blanket that i've draped i might yeah. see a lamppost it is possible yeah yeah <laughs> i'm already just so excited for next month me too yeah <laughs> um yes but that is not what we were talking about but you know what um i saw some news recently yeah so have you have you heard tell of the of the adaptation of chronicles of narnia that netflix is planning <gasps> No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so apparently, I don't know if it's going to be like a series or if they're going to do movies yeah. or whatever. Um, but I just saw recently that um, a director that they're in talks with to uh-huh. help create whatever this project is going to be 
is Greta Gerwig. Oh my gosh. So I think that's a great choice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So oh, I'd be I'm, so excited. I'd, I'd, about I'd be pretty that. excited about that if, if she's doing that. And I have so many follow up questions. Like, I know. <laughs> would it be like a book to book or would it be like another, yeah, like they use the world of Narnia? Or I don't like, think what that they're, they... yeah, I don't think that they're really, they might not even know that yet. So sure, like sure. at least I couldn't find any information on that. So, yeah. but yes, I, I will be keeping an eye on that news. And maybe by the time we talk about it next month, there will be a little bit more news to talk yeah. about. That's one I'll of those see. fan communities I feel like I've been a part of my whole life. Yeah. You know, Narnia has been there. And Narnia fans all the are time. like so chill. It's <laughs> They're like the opposite of Lord of the Rings fans. It's great. Sure, sure. <laughs> There is that dichotomy there, there is that. I think, isn't there? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah. But anyway, um, so, oh, we're Pop DNA, by the way. And yes, hello. Hi. We ramble for a long time uh-huh. about things. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> Aaron, what have you been watching lately? My favorite segment, what have I been watching? I have been watching... Oh no, I don't know. I've been well. I'm still on my Shark Tank kick. I just can't. I can't stop watching Shark Tank. Mm. Um, but because of my trip, it is. It's a. I mean, I could be doing literally anything else with my life, right? I could be. I could be learning something. I could be like watching something useful. But I watch Shark Tank. Um, but I also. Tomorrow, dear listener, I am going to New York City. So I have been listening to or watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Aww. and Bob's Burgers. And Bob's Burgers isn't in New York. It it feels so much that way, though, that I like can't I think it's not New Jersey. see it. That's what I... Yeah. I have family there, too. Oh, okay. It counts. <laughs> um, and Broad City, obviously, I think... Um, yeah, just a lot of, I think I've, I've mentioned this before, but every winter I have to watch Broad City around New Year. So I just started oh, okay. kind of earlier. Uh-huh. Especially like because Alana goes to therapy school. Like, oh, just feels yeah. like now I have to like perpetually be watching Broad City. Um, <laughs> yeah, what about, what about loop. you? <laughs> just for, oh, that would actually, depending on the episode, that would be really delightful <laughs> to just always have it on. Um, what about you, dear friend? What have you been listening to or watching? Um, I, so I did, I think I mentioned last week that there was a Netflix original Christmas movie uh-huh. starring Buffy's husband that I hadn't had a chance to watch yet, but I have watched it now. The great and Freddie Prince Jr. Yes. <laughs> Buffy's husband is his legal name. That's on his birth certificate. And... I so I watched that and you know what it was pretty delightful. Um I I bet. Yeah. I not that we need to like compare them but I did mm-hmm. like it better than the Lindsay Lohan Netflix Christmas movie. Okay. Just saying. I haven't gotten to that one either. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's okay you're not missing much. Um and okay. then <laughs> Sure. And then you know I still I think season 5 of The Crown came out like a few weeks ago. And I'm still on, I think I'm on like episode four now of the season. So I I feel like that's one that I can't really binge because there's like Mm -hmm. so much going on and there's like so much like depth to it that I kind of have to like 
process each episode before I go to the next one. So sure. Yeah, so it's yeah. taking a little a, a little while, but but yeah, I it's still haven't. It's really good. I haven't jumped in there, but it oh, sounds man. really good. But kind of like you're saying, it just kind of takes a lot of. Um, it takes it's a lot of brain that... power. <laughs> right. And it's sad brain to say space. that I just don't have that lately. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, grad school really takes <sighs> up a lot of your brain space. So. <laughs> mm, uh-huh. All up in my brain space. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. The cr- I bet that's a good, like, winter watch, The Crown. Mm. Like. Yeah. Well, I yeah. think the new seasons always come out, like, in November. So it's like... They know that people are like, you know, they're like huddled up in their blanket forts Uh or in their closet recording booths. Of course. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I was trying to think of what else I watched. I watched a lot of things on um, Sunday um, and I'm now like blanking. I watched like Uh three movies on Sunday, but I'm blanking on what they were. Oh, you know what? Oh, this actually, this movie is somewhat relevant to our topic of discussion today. Because then we can't mention it because stars... we don't ever want to be relevant. <laughs> because it stars Kristen Bell and also Allison Janney and Ben Platt oh. and... Oh, and like somebody else that I recognize. Um, but it's a movie called People We Hate at the Wedding. I have seen promos for that. Yeah, it looks really, really it good. It was good. I really liked it a lot. So, yeah, go check that out. Yeah. It was one of those like, it's like a comedy, but mm-hmm. it also like it really explores the characters in depth and gives them a lot of, um, uh, like it, they, they feel like actual characters rather than like comedy characters. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really good. It felt, I don't know. I haven't seen it, but the trailer felt a little like, it kind of reminded me of Knives Out a little. Like, I, mean, I don't know if that's the of. right vibe. Because okay. it is very, it is kind of a rich people nonsense movie. <laughs> and it is uh-huh. kind of a family, like dysfunctional family. So yeah, uh-huh. like there's some elements in there that that fit. Um, yeah. That kind of overlap with Knives Out. So yeah. A favorite here at the pod. A fave. Is the, the rich, pe- the rich white people nonsense. <laughs> the rich white people genre. nonsense. Yes, that's mm-hmm. my favorite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're actually not. Actually, the the two richest people are not white <laughs> in this oh, movie. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. Okay. Yeah, but it's still rich people nonsense. So yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Good. Well. Speaking of Kristen Bell. <laughs> Speaking of. Uh, I think she does a really great job in um, the woman in the house across the street across from the girl the in the window. Uh-huh. <laughs> she Imagine plays that like character every, really well. <laughs> every time they had to slate to audition for this. 
Hello, my name is Kristen Bell, and I'm auditioning for the woman in the house across the street from the... God, that, like, I can't even get through that. I bet she didn't have to audition, don't you think? Um, yeah, probably. Probably, probably just yeah. pitched one her way. Uh-huh. Yeah. But anyone else yeah, who I... was auditioning, yeah, they'd probably... Like the... <laughs> I wonder if they maybe like gave it an alternate title, like like for the purpose of auditioning. So I think I think productions do that a lot because like they don't want Mm -hmm. a lot of times they don't want actors to know what they're auditioning for, and so they give them like you know a different title. I don't know. Maybe they did that. In another life, I auditioned for um, Hannah Montana, and they didn't tell me what it was called. Ah. It was just called like untitled tween singer thing or something oh my gosh um, Aaron what yeah, if you had didn't... been on Hannah Montana oh Stop. yikes oh my gosh yikes. <laughs> no. you get the best of both worlds I could have the best of both worlds <laughs> oh uh, that's great um yes so <laughs> but this podcast <laughs> this podcast is not <gasps> What if you like tracked down like all of the other kids who auditioned with you for Hannah oh Montana gosh. and made a podcast about like what each of them is doing now? Oh, my, and they're all becoming therapists. And they're all becoming therapists <laughs> to try and work out everything that happened there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be funny. Oh my goodness! I would listen to that podcast. <laughs> it'd be like we were almost on hannah montana we the time we were almost uh, the time we were literally almost famous <laughs> um anyway i keep sidetracking us i'm sorry yeah i love it um yeah i really speaking of like bringing it back speaking of Kristen bell i really think that her performance really makes this like especially a good piece because I think it could have gone too far either way Mm -hmm. in the writing I think with any other performer like any other performer is gonna ham up too much of the comedy and maybe like make it a joke about depression or make it a joke about like working through that or if you lean to the other side it wouldn't like if you played too much into that, it wouldn't really feed into the ending where things kind of go off the rails. So I think Kristen Bell really finds that um, middle of like, I guess kind of you're seeing through her eyes and she also thinks it's a little bit absurd that she's seeing this, you know? So I think maybe that's what makes it work for me. I don't know. And I think so much of her, I know I mentioned that I was going to talk a little bit about this throughout the um, series, but I think that's especially important um, because she is playing a character that's exploring depression to a certain degree. And she is playing a character who's um, experiencing depression. I think it's really important that neither of those sides are played too much into as she's performing, you know, because everyone who experiences depression as I do like we're already super Mm -hmm. sad so we don't necessarily want to lean into that too hard and I think there's also in the community there's also kind of this whimsicality that can accompany people who experience depression it's kind of like it's more helpful to like 
not laugh at it, but laugh with it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like that's what she's doing here, which I just, I felt, I felt community with that a little bit in her performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like laughing um, through the pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And laughing like, oh, my brain's just doing this right now. It'll uh-huh. be like, it'll be over in a second, but, yeah. uh, or in a longer second, but Yeah. And I, I really, there are some really good moments of, like, her feeling ostracized from the rest of, like, I always think of that scene where she's talking to the moms at pickup, mm. and they're just, and that, um, there's a few of them that are just, like, consistently judging her, and she's, the way that she kind of claps back at them, um, I think is just really fun to watch and kind of cathartic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just really like her performance. Like, when she's there, like in like her bathrobe yeah like well I mean you kind of find out like you find out like pretty soon after that that the other moms have good reason to find it odd that she's there sure because like you know like her daughter her daughter is not alive anymore so right (laughs) but like you know they yeah I mean they don't get super deep into like how the other moms are actually reacting but like yeah it's reasonable that they would find that odd <laughs> sure it's certainly yeah it it also reminded me i don't know um you probably did um did you ever read where'd you go bernadette no i haven't read that it kind of the same scene happens in that um where there's kind of this like the, the way that the school community and the like the PTA community are kind of explored is pretty mm-hmm. similar to how it's done in Where'd You Go Bernadette, which also deals with um, kind of similar themes, but through the lens of um, the daughter. So the daughter mm-hmm. doesn't pass away. The daughter is kind of just keeping this diary because her mom, um, her mom winds up going on an expedition of like, I think Antarctica. I don't remember. Mm. But yeah. Um, so it's a little bit different, but it also definitely reminded me of those themes of like, just how toxic the school community can be. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fascinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know. As I was watching, I always want to call her because of, um, the good place. I always want to call her character from that, but she's Anna in this. Kristen mm-hmm. Bell plays yeah. Anna. Not Eleanor. Um, <laughs> no, I always go to Eleanor Shellshop. No. Um, I think another, like, I see, like, kind of echoes of Anna and how she's written in a few different, like, popular thrillers from not, doesn't, I mean, maybe not long ago, but, like, I'm thinking about Misery with Stephen King and um, Mm. The Shining and um, even The Birds. Like, some of how those characters are written kind of reminds me, it, it almost feels like... Um, they had been a little bit influenced by, I mean, they must have been, right? Like, mm-hmm. those are kind of classic thriller, I guess. I don't even, okay, would you call this movie, a, or this show a thriller? How would you, mm. it's kind of a bunch of things, I right? think it's, like, it's suspense. I mean, yeah, yeah. it'd be a thriller. It, well, at yeah. least the the genre that it's spoofing is mm-hmm. like suspense thriller. Yeah, it definitely yeah. fits into that. 
Yeah, I like I feel like I wrote half of this and then I I kind of second guessed myself like <laughs> is this actually would we would we even call this a thriller yeah. but or do I just want to talk about Kathy Bates no, and Misery? No, it's definitely a thriller. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um well and I can definitely see a through line from like mm-hmm. Kathy Bates and Misery to like the types of female characters that we find in Yeah these in the kinds of stories that the woman in the house is spoofing yeah so even if the genre isn't isn't matching up the character definitely does right and i think there's similar themes too like male identifying characters must be hyper masculine Mm. if you look at like paul sheldon from misery he's basically the brawny paper towel guy like he is very much he has to be a rugged man. And then when he can't be anymore, that's kind of a whole exploration there of what happens to him um, versus female identifying characters um, that need protection or that kind of um, kind of go off of if you're different from what society expects of you, then then you must be. Kathy Bates, who captures Paul Sheldon and brings him to her cabin and insists that he write more mis- more novels of her favorite um, romance novels. So it's just, mm-hmm. it's just, I think with that one specifically, it was more interesting to look at um, Paul Sheldon's character as well, because mm-hmm. he... Well, because that's the Stephen King yeah. self-insert, right? <laughs> right. Like... Absolutely. <laughs> You're not being Absolutely. very subtle there, Steve. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and I just think her performance is phenomenal. So if you haven't, if it's been a while since you've watched Misery, if you haven't seen it at all, um, it's the story of this novelist who writes, I think, Victorian, yeah, Victorian romance novels Mm -hmm. named Paul Sheldon. And he, at the beginning of the movie, he's going through a trip in the woods and he winds up um, crashing and um, going unconscious to have been um, taken in by um, by Annie Wilkes, who is, it turns out, his biggest fan. Mm. And she's going to nurse him to back to health and she's going to take care of him only to find out that he has planned to kill her favorite character in the novel and end the series Mm. um and she kind of isn't as happy about that um understandably mm -hmm. and like i do think it's important to note that this is not supposed to be realistic Mm -hmm. and this is not supposed to be like a realistic look at how someone handles anything but i do think it's interesting how we talk about um both characters um and kind of how iconic they've become so um i think with annie wilkes especially well i mean kathy bates's performance is just phenomenal Mm -hmm. um but she's very much like i think she is entirely a caricature i don't think there's anything really like realistic about her um and then you see Character, which then was interesting to compare with um, characters like Anna in the woman who, the woman in the house, add the rest of the title. Uh-huh. But she, um, 
she's allowed to be more realistic. Um, and I think just thinking about the writing of misery, everything is heightened, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's, it's set in, um, it was set in modern day, but nothing is realistic necessarily. Um, and I think there's just been a change in tone moving towards like making things a little bit more realistic or subtle. Um, that I think you also see in um, in things like The Shining, which I think are the two I'm going to really focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, like, both of them are pretty off the rails um, in the same way that the end of the the woman in the house <laughs> is. Yeah. So we never. I'm just going to stop saying that title. So we never get like really moments of realism in either they're both just kind of heightened which in a lot of ways when we're talking about these kinds of characters that are so heightened in their responses I think that's really important I think it's important that those characters not appear realistic or not appear um like they're meant to reflect like reality because that would be a pretty um problematic look right it would Mm -hmm. be kind of not necessarily what you want um but yeah, if you haven't watched it, go go back through and watch um, Misery, if only for Kathy Bates's <laughs> character. Like she's she's become kind of iconic um, again for playing that kind of a heightened character who just wanted her um, favorite character from a romance novel to survive, and <laughs> all hell breaks loose when it doesn't. Um, yeah, interesting. Which. You know, we've had those moments, um, maybe even on this podcast, when someone, when a character did something we didn't like or, or passed away, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it can be difficult, but I'm yeah. not gonna, I'm not gonna capture any of our favorite writers or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, Talk about a parasocial relationship. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um and then I'll just like lightly touch on Wendy Torrance and The Shining. The Shining leans more into horror, right? Like mm-hmm. it's less thriller and more horror. Um, but I just thought, um, I thought there were some parallels there too, where like Wendy, I don't really think she's a very fleshed out character either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are elements of why in the way that Kubrick directed it. Like he kind of, it's it's well known now that he kind of terrorized her and other actors on the set. Um, and I wonder if you're able to really dive deep into a character when you're just experiencing that level of fear. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how much your brain is really reacting to anything else but that level of fear at that point. But um, all to say that, I mean, if we're thinking about whether like whether these female characters and male characters have agency within their pieces, do the actors have agency within their production? You know, Mm -hmm. if, if they're being so terrified. Um, So if you haven't seen the shining in a bit, a family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter and um, a sinister presence influences um, kind of everyone living there. And there are some views that see it as the winter itself kind of caused um, some of these sinister influences or there was something supernatural. I don't know Mm. um, that it's 
ever really determined. Um, but I think the important thing about The Shining is that um, Wendy is very much like absent of agency I think Mm -hmm. she's very much trapped there I don't think that she wanted to go there in the first place I don't think that she um she might not even want to be in this relationship in the Mm -hmm. first place she Mm -hmm. has no agency there um and then her performance is very much I think also kind of less so than Annie Wilkes but kind of also a caricature Mm -hmm. there interesting I feel like The Shining is maybe like, because I mean, the like in broad strokes, it like the setup is kind of gothic looking, right? Absolutely. That yeah. you have um, this character going to this dark, mysterious place and yeah. uncovering like the terrifying secrets there. Like, yeah. broad strokes, that is a gothic story. Um, Absolutely, yeah. But it kind of, I don't know, it's interesting that, that like, in so many, like, especially, like, in the early, you know, like, those early, like, 18th, late 18th century um, gothic romances, and also, like, in the mid-century, you know, like, the ones from, like, the 50s and 60s, like, the, those were they were anomalies in that their female main characters often showed agency as opposed to female characters in other genres. Right. So it feels a little like, well, and again, like historically most Gothic, especially Gothic romances have been written by women. Um, Yeah. And, of course, The Shining was written by a man, and the movie was directed yeah. by a man. So, of course, like, we're, you know, we're not going to ex- expect to see the same right. um, the same level of agency in the female characters. Like, and I think... Especially, yeah. you know, like, from the 1970s, like... Right. And I, I think in a lot of ways, Annie Wilkes finds her own agency, um... She, but she's the I mean, villain, right? But she's very much the villain. So it's yeah. okay. It's almost like it's saying, like, like um, when women have agency, they become the villain, right? 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 Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the takeaway. Yeah. Anyway, and her, I just, <laughs> I guess, if I was gonna just wrap up that whole rambling I just gave you, um, I would say that it's interesting to see how characters throughout time are exposed to fear and what they do about it and kind of how those how we've moved from like big heightened characterizations into kind of a more um I don't even think subtle is the right word kind of a more realistic approach to that kind of storytelling Mm -hmm. um and it's a very narrow lens to only be for me to only be talking about right. Stephen King, there are many that have not yeah. done this, but I just saw through lines there in, in all of those characters a bit. Well, and I think what's interesting is that, like, there's very much, like, I mean, you talked about kind of the gendered, the gendered elements right. In, right. in your examples, 
were, you know, written by men. But if we look at like the, like the actual works that the woman in the house is referencing, like by and large, those works are written by women. And so we get this very like gender dychotomy of like, totally, you know, these, these different works. Um, but I liked, uh, I was inspired by the note that you put in here about <laughs> the titles are often the woman, the girl, or the lady. Um, yeah. <laughs> and like, I think that like, you know, like obviously like it's, it's rife for like making jokes about it. Um, cause like, yeah, like it shows up so often in these titles. Yeah. So it makes, it makes it very easy to spoof as the woman in the house does. Yeah. Um, but I think that that's also related to this kind of nebulous gender dichotomy that we see emerging. Um, yeah. and I was, uh, curious so I did a little bit of research to yeah. try to figure out why so many books, um, p- well, in particular, these kind of domestic suspense thriller books, but also kind of books in general, um, a lot seem to have the word girl in particular in the title. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> this is great. I found this article. It was actually um, written by and researched by... Emily Sinjin Mandel, which is one of my favorite authors. Um, So she um, also, so this is from like 2016, I think, that she wrote this article. Um, So she, I think, started looking into this because the girl on the train at the time was Mm -hmm. like a huge hit. And right before then, Gone Girl had been you know, a ginormous hit. Um, absolutely. And so like, she started looking into why so many like best selling novels have girl Mm -hmm. in the title. So she found like some really interesting data and it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's kind of funny actually at one point in, in her post that she wrote about it, she was like, well, since I'm an author with this publisher, I have access to all of their sales numbers. So I can look at it. I was like, ah, yes, using your powers for good. Um, (laughs) so, and she also looked at, uh, data from Goodreads. Which is really, really oh, interesting. Oh, that is really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, like, she kind of, like, goes through, like, a, a few different of, you know, a few different findings. Um, but I thought this was especially interesting. She said, a number of patterns emerged in our analysis. The girl, quote unquote, in the title is much more likely to be a woman than an actual girl. And right. the author of the book is more likely to be a woman. But this is like the one that blew my mind. But if a book with girl in the title was written by a man, the girl is significantly more likely to end up dead. Like, wow, that does not surprise me at all. Um, (laughs) Wow. Yeah, sure. Um, So she talks about how like she looked at, let's see, she looked at the 2000 or so most popular books 
with girl or girls in the title on Goodreads. Um, and then she filtered yeah. out books that had um, less than 250 ratings. Um, mm-hmm. And then she filtered out books that were for children and young adults because, like, in that in those cases, the girl would most likely actually be a child. Um, <laughs> sure. Um, sure. So then she says, I was left with 810 books, including all the heavy hitters we'd expect. So, like, Girl on the Train. Um, Gone Girl, Mm -hmm, the girl with the mm -hmm. dragon tattoo. Um, And then she says, as one might suspect, the authors of these books were, most of them, formerly girls themselves. Yeah. So it's it's mostly women that are writing these books with girl in the title. And she does point out that, like, many authors don't get to choose the title of their book. Like, that's chosen by their publisher. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And it does have a lot to do with with sales um, because, yeah. you know, like as she kind of like one like sort of um, sort of conclusion that she comes to that like this is like a likely explanation is that, you know, publishers look at like, well, you know, there's been like all of these best selling titles that have the word girl. So let's put the word girl in the title and... Yeah. Hopefully then it will sell more copies, I guess. Um, Sure. Yeah. But it's just really interesting that like, um, so like we do see it somewhat with women and like she actually mentions that at one point in here, she mentions the book, um, the woman, the woman in cabin 10. So she's like, yeah, like, you know, we do use the word woman, but it's still, we're still using a gender you know like the gender of the protagonist is being put front and center um which is interesting um yeah i mean i guess that's yeah interesting um so then i thought she made this other really interesting point um so the data and and personal experience suggests that age is no impediment to calling someone a girl and she says she asked her editor um, if she had any thoughts on it. And her editor said, maybe girl hints at a vulnerability that raises mm-hmm. the stakes or an inevitable growing up in a way that promises story. So okay. there's kind of two different ideas going on there. So like, yeah, like being a girl versus being a woman implies more vulnerability, which I think. Yeah that definitely um like could have something to it um or um the other idea sh- she suggests is that it's like a growing up in a way that it's you know in right. like a coming of age in a way um sure which you know is kind of like moving from vulnerability into security is kind of a very common mm-hmm. like growing up thing that happens in fiction um right so i think like like i like both of those ideas but i think that like i think those are kind of after the fact explanations if that makes sense like i think yeah i think the 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 frequency of the use of the word girl came first and then Mm -hmm. they found a pattern in it right Which is what we yeah. do all the time with stuff, but that's yeah. fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like uh, we we should link this article because 
It's mm-hmm. like super interesting. But I do think that like, and I think um, like Mandel kind of, kind of like um, hints at the idea that like these, at least like the the genre that, you know, this genre of like thriller, suspense, domestic noir is kind of a gendered space. Um, yeah. Like it's definitely women who are the target audience. Women yeah. are the protagonists. Women are the authors of these books. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a way of differentiating and saying like, hey, woman who's in the bookstore, this book is safe for you to read. Like this is right. a, this is, yeah. you know, a female friendly space. Um, sure. Which I also think is really is really interesting like i think it's kind of like it's kind of a double-edged sword right yeah but like the fact absolutely. that that we need that kind of signal to to you know to like signify to us that it, you know it's n- it's not likely that that the woman will die in this book because <laughs> right <laughs> yeah um but like on in that same vein of the idea of like this genre as a very female centric space mm-hmm. um so i i started talking about gothic fiction when we were talking about the shining which like i talk about gothic fiction all the time so uh-huh, like, you shouldn't uh-huh. be surprised um but but that's like a a, a connection that i am thinking about intentionally um, yeah. So I've talked about this article before. It's one of like my favorite pieces I've ever read. Um, so the author Sylvia Moreno Garcia. Oh, both of my pieces are were written by authors, who are like Excellent. also my favorite yeah. authors. Interesting. Yeah. So, <laughs> so her post, um, the domestic or what's it called? Uh, her. Oh, so her post is called the girl in the mansion. So, Uh and it's about, like, domestic suspense, which is, like, books like um, The Girl on the Train or, you know, The Woman in Cabin 10. Um, Domestic suspense is the modern incarnation of the mid-century gothic romance. So. I love, I love this. I know. I love it so much. Um, So, uh, Morano Garcia gives a, like, a really good succinct summary of. A mid-century gothic romance. So I'm just going to read what she wrote here. Um, So she says, Most of these mid-century gothics tended to adhere to a simple formula, which contained a young woman, a big house, and a dangerous yet exciting man. Often the women were in subservient positions, working for the lord of the Mm -hmm. manor, orphaned, or the like. The women encountered some mystery that needed solving and eventually found love with the dangerous, exciting man, who turned out to be misunderstood. <laughs> Rarely was he a criminal. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. Although the mystery and threats surrounding the heroines seem to be of supernatural origin, there is usually a rational explanation. Right. So, <laughs> um, so then Morana Garcia also, like, she quotes, like, a lot of, um, like, great... Um, scholarship on gothic fiction and i have yeah. bought two books that that she mentions I mean, of in course. here of course um so 
<laughs> so um, one of them is an essay called Somebody's Trying to Kill Me and I Think It's My Husband. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Just like, doesn't that sound like like the plot of like yeah. one of these books? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and this essay was written by Joanna Russ, um, and it says the 1960s gothic romance ultimately resembled a crossbreed between Jane Eyre and Rebecca, Uh um, and publishers believe that the appeal of the books was that they featured, quote, women who marry guys and then begin to discover their husbands are strangers. So there's Uh a simultaneous attraction, repulsion, love, fear going on. Yeah. Um. So I think that that's interesting. Like, we can kind of already see, like, even just looking at the woman in the house, we can already see these similar patterns developing Mm -hmm. where, like, she's alone in this big house. Yeah. There's, like, an element of, like, possible romantic attraction Mm -hmm. with, with a man who like is kind of mysterious and at certain points yeah you think might be a criminal so like we yeah. can, you can already see like the similarities here right um absolutely so then of course this is where marana garcia um says i believe that rather than disappear completely what happened was that the impulses behind the gothic novel mutated and eventually gave birth to what we call the domestic noir sure so she also quotes um a critic um who defined the domestic noir as a genre which takes place primarily in homes and workplaces concerns itself largely but not exclusively with the female experience is based yeah. around relationships and takes as its base a broadly feminist view that th- that the domestic sphere is a challenging and sometimes dangerous prospect for its inhabitants yeah so it's that same idea in in the gothic you know in mm-hmm. gothic fiction that the home which I think it's interesting yeah. to note that, like, at the beginning, like, at the very beginning of gothic romance as a genre, um, you know, the late 18th century, like, this is a time when, like, most women would spend their entire lives in yeah. the home. And so yeah. with the, with gothic fiction, we're now getting these spaces where the home is not a place of comfort and safety. The right. home is a place where you're going to find adventure and danger and yeah. like possibly terror. You know, it makes me realize why I think Annie Wilkes and Misery connects there because I think in her mind, she is a heroine in a Gothic novel. Mm. I think that's kind of the narrative that she's going through and it's making her make some terrible choices. But I think, um, that's maybe what connected for me. So thank you for like, yeah, connecting my yeah, mind to sure. itself. I appreciate well, and that. And I think it's interesting. I guess so. Like I've never read or seen Misery. I just know mm-hmm. what I know about it, like through cultural osmosis. Um, yeah. But I so I had never I never knew before that the author was the author of like romance novels. So uh-huh, that's her so one. interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, that's de- there's definitely, like, a gendered aspect mm-hmm. and, like, a connection there. Yeah. Um, 
anyway, go on. Yeah. I just, you helped me no, to see so... my own analysis more clearly. <laughs> so Morana Garcia goes on um, to, she comments as well on like the, that, you know, like all of, like uh, many of the titles have the word girl. So she cites Gone yeah. Girl, the girl before, the girl on the train. But then she also uh-huh. points out that many of them use the word wife. So like the wife sure. between us, the silent wife, the perfect wife, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the like. And then she talks about, she mentions that, you know, I think we've talked about this before, that like the gothic romance covers of the 1960s that uh-huh. are all like, women running from houses so yeah like it's a similar kind of signifier right there on the cover that like hey woman in the bookstore you want to read this book like (laughs) did you want this one because it's it you can (laughs) yeah um (laughs) because you can um so um so like I'll I'll kind of wrap up with this thought, this like kind of final connection that Morana Garcia makes. So she quotes Terry Terry Carr um, again, um, who's one of the critics that she has quoted in this article, yeah. um, who said um, women liked reading gothic romances because they featured quote a magnetic suitor or husband who may or may not be a lunatic and or murderer. <laughs> Uh huh. Sure. Um, a man who might frighten them and make them anxious. In domestic noirs, heroines might still fear their husbands, but they also seem to be frightened of a wider variety of people, including mm-hmm. neighbors, friends, and employees. The roller coaster taking them through numerous peaks and valleys of anxiety. So, yeah. like, that's it's it's so interesting, right? Like. <laughs> Yeah. Like we have, we still have this like, it's almost like a, a monomythic level mm-hmm. of like connection between feminine spaces and the home and like when it's dangerous and uh, yeah. Yeah. It's just so and, fascinating to me. And I can't help but see like throughout all of the pieces that you've pulled out just now, like. The through a through line too is a man who might frighten them and make them anxious, but it's still kind of exciting. for some. It's also kind of a, exciting, yeah. right? So like that's such an interesting way to look at modern romantic relationships. Mm. I don't know. That's just popping out to me. That's really well. Interesting. Like I mean, Twilight is a gothic romance. Absolutely right. Sure. Like yeah. It's still, it's still kind of like in our, it's in our cultural DNA, (laughs) Uh Uh, our, our pop DNA, you might say. Yeah. I just think it's super interesting. Yeah. And I, I will never get enough of reading and talking about this. (laughs) No, never. Yeah. Well, well, we didn't do a quiz. Oh, we didn't there, do a quiz. Oh, okay. Let's see if we can find one. Let's see. Which woman? I don't want to type out the whole title. I'll just, no, I'll make my own quiz. House I'll make my own quiz real quick. The street character. Okay, what's your quiz? My quiz is. Oh, no, but that would require us to have seen multiple. Oh, there is actually. Them. Oh, there is one? There okay. is a quiz. Yes, there's, uh, oh, it's, which Netflix lady are you? Um, okay, well then, oh no, here's one. 
Here's an actual quiz. Okay. It's not BuzzFeed, but it'll still work. Here, okay. I'll I'll send you the link. Or I'll put it I'll put yeah. the link in the doc. And then Perfect. we can take we could take we can it just take it live on air. And then, yeah. And then Alrighty. And then we will welcome in December somehow. Yes, somehow. Oh, why what's with all the ads? Come on. Okay. Oh my gosh, awful. Okay, so first Do you like woman? <laughs> That's the question. Yes. Do you I'm like? Go, yes, I like woman. woman. <laughs> I'm pro. Woman. Next question. Okay. I am pro Next. woman. Do you like Douglas? Who's Douglas? I, I love Douglas. Wait, who's Douglas? I have no idea. Is yes. that her husband? Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I just like. Are you bad? <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote this? I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> I don't know, Roger. Are you bad? Do or you... <laughs> Am I bad? Who's bad? <laughs> Do you and your sweetheart have pet names for each other? Okay. <laughs> That's kind of a personal question. Um, uh-huh. At a friend's <laughs> wedding, you are most likely to be checking your cell phone and waiting for it to be over. <laughs> Happy for your friend. Or happily tear tearing up now and then oh tear okay I thought, it said tear- I thought it said tearing up too i was like tearing up like i was you're like, tear like up on the be- dance floor tearing up okay, okay. um i'm gonna say happy okay. for your friend although if say- it went on if it was if it's one of those weddings where mm-hmm. they're a little self-important and it goes on really long then i might start checking my phone but mostly i'm just gonna be happy yeah <laughs> yeah do you believe fate or destiny is what brings people together absolutely Maybe, or that's not really how I think about that's it. That's not how I think about it. I think Me we have either. I think we have more agency than that. Do you Who's like Elizabeth? Right? Wait, oh Elizabeth's her daughter, right? Her oh gosh, her ghost question. daughter. Yikes. <laughs> yes, I like Elizabeth. Do you like your sister? I don't have a sister. <laughs> that's uh <laughs> I have a I sister-in-law. Have a sister. I like her, so I'll say yes. I like your sister-in-law, so I'll Okay, there you go. <laughs> Do you keep romantic mementos of your date? No. Not really. <laughs> yeah. Like, who needs more stuff? Do you like this yeah. quiz? <laughs> oh, my God. Um. What What are they going to do I'm if I go, say no? I'm going to go no. You know what? I actually really like it. <laughs> I like, genuinely. No. <laughs> See results. Who were we? Claire. Who the heck is Claire? Who who was that? Who is Claire? Who did you get? Rhonda, I have no idea who that character was. Who did you get? I also got Claire. Oh, okay. I'm Googling Claire in the woman who, who in is the that? house across the street. Who is Claire? Who's that one? Is that her? Oh, is that um her, oh, like... her friend? Oh, I like her. Yeah. Okay. No, that's not who that is. Okay. Um, that character's name is Sloane. <laughs> okay. But Douglas well... is her hus- is her husband. Wait, who's... Okay. Oh, I found Claire, the character on IMDb, but this tells me nothing because there's no photo of the actor. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, we tried. We tried. Who is Joy- this? We're obviously uh... very excited for next month for we Nona. Are. Oh, is Claire the neighbor? Oh, the like the nosy neighbor. 
Is okay, that who that is? That. I'm not okay. sure. I'm I'm just <laughs> trying to idea. figure it out. Yeah, I really have no idea. But maybe we don't know ourselves. We don't know. <laughs> anyway, we're Claire, and we have no idea who that is. <laughs> maybe it's um, Claire from Fictional Hangover Podcast. Then I'm I fine like, with I it. like her. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah, I'm good with that. Um, okay, cool. So okay. that concludes. <laughs> that concludes possibly That's... one of the most disjointed episodes <laughs> we've ever done. <laughs> But you, you know, know what? what? Here you go for that's free. Why, that's why you come to us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Who wants a cohesive podcast episode? No, come on. Who, are Who am I, Dana whatever. Schwartz? Come on. No, whatever. <laughs> Although I do love Dana Schwartz. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that is the end of that. <laughs> that <is the laughs> so end of that me. was the end that of that. That was the end of that. And yeah, next month, Narnia. Next month, we're, we're taking a trip down to Narnia. And we're super stoked. We are. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we actually have a plan for Instagram in the next few days. We do. We have a plan. We We just took kind of a month off and it's fine. So, yeah. So go ahead and go to our Instagram if if you want to see our very carefully planned out post that we're planning to to put on there. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh I think that about covers it. Um Yeah. By the time you're hearing this, Thanksgiving will be over. Mm-hmm. And we will be very very near to December, so Yeah. Enjoy the rest of your November. Enjoy the rest of your November, the rest of your night. And go watch day. Glass Onion because that will be out by the mm. time this episode yeah. is out as well. That's, yeah. Yeah. Because that's what I'm going to be watching. Yeah. Okay. Well, are we, are we good? I think we're good. Did we do this thing? <laughs> we did. I mean, you did. I just kind of rambled, but that's okay. Sometimes I that's feel like I just happy. ramble all the time. <laughs> well, then, good. <laughs> The ramblings of a mad woman. Okay. Oh dear. Goodbye, friends. Bye. That's, I think that's enough for now. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye.